Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to another special episode of the Fitness Devil Podcast. Uh, it should be episode 135. We brought Lou Schuler and Lee Boyce on here. We've been running a recent series where we've been pairing up uh, industry leaders during, we are right in the middle of the global COVID pandemic. So we want ideas that will you'll be able to listen to this two or three years da- uh, down the road from now. And it'll be great ideas that will help you with your career uh, and to be prepared for unexpected shocks in, um, in our world. But we took them together to talk about uh, writing, amongst other things. That's a place where Lou is the editor at the personal trainer, edit, editorial director at the Personal Trainer Development Center. And Lee Boyce is a prolific writer as well and a trainer. And their overall philosophies for content creation, for social media, for how to prepare yourself to have a robust business in the, uh, to get through this now and to prepare yourself for future shocks. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Fitness Devil Podcast. So this is a third in a new series where we're taking um, at least pairs of um, industry leaders in the fitness industry and getting their thoughts on uh, what's happening right now. Obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic. If you're coming back and listening in the future, well, sorry to make you relive it. So we've got Lou Schuler and Lee Boyce on here. They're both previous guests. They're friends of ours. And they, well, Lee is also a trainer, but both of these guys are heavy in the writing world. So we can get a little bit more into that. Uh, I'll let you guys each say just something really quick about yourselves. Hopefully most people know who you are. And then I also want to see what your thoughts and philosophies are for, you know, the trainers who are struggling to figure out what to do right now. Let's start with Lou. Let's, let's start with Lou because Lou, Lou got in the chat first. What, 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 you, you want me to tell people who I am? Yeah, no, a little. Oh my God, I feel sorry for anybody who's watching this and has no idea who I am. It's like, okay, so let's see, I got an hour here to figure out who this guy is. And then, and then I swear, I swear I'm going to go find something productive to do. But for this hour, I'm just going to sit here trying to figure out who the fuck this bald headed guy is. And um, I, I'm just, uh, you know, as, as Andrew said, I'm a, a fitness writer, journalist, um, been writing about fitness since 1992. I currently am editorial director for the Personal Trainer Development Center, the PTDC. And uh, since we, um, since our main business is online training, we've been pretty busy these past few weeks. Nice. And Lee, what have you been up to? Um, so I guess to introduce myself, I'm a, uh, I'm a trainer and I also am heavy into fitness writing. And um, on, as well, I do a lot of um, teaching for not only just speaking engagements, but also uh, as a professor at uh, uh, college here in Toronto. Um, and outside of that, especially with the pandemic, I've been focused a lot more on the online space too. And uh, we've gone virtual mode for the, for the school. So uh, that's left a lot of the teachers and stuff in cahoots trying to sort of figure out how to deliver classes and how to deal with exams and all that stuff for the remainder of the semester. So it's been keeping everybody busy, me included. I just snuck a workout in right now, but I spent since seven o'clock this morning just working on uh, virtual exam submission submissions um, since uh, seven until, yeah, almost 11 o'clock a.m. So it's been busy. I think that's kind of a misconception that you think, well, the industry's locked down, so therefore, you know, all these fitness professionals have nothing to do and they all have, all have this extra time on their hands. I suspect that exists on maybe some of the, the more entry-level trainers, but more and more through the conversation, I'm finding that people are almost busier than ever trying to find new 
ways to deliver to their clients and to help people. So, uh, yeah, what has your guys' experience been like that? Uh, especially, we'll start on the writing side of stuff. Well, just even with Lou, well, Lou, Lou basically said you're not busy, or sorry, you're you're busy. Which oh yeah, yeah, we're 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 incredibly busy. We were already um, John Goodman and his team were already in the process of, you know, making some pretty big changes to the online trainer academy, which again is the main um, it is is the main business we're in, and that all predated the pandemic. But once the pandemic started, all of a sudden every personal trainer needed to be an online trainer, and John happened to be, you know, he'd been preparing for this since 2013 and, and has a really sophisticated program that um, he was in the process of making more accessible to more trainers, at more price points, both at, at the at the entry level, make it easier to get into it, and also at the advanced level with a new program called uh, Level 2 of the Online Trainer Academy. So all this was already in the works. Um, we were just, in fact, this week, we're just finishing up the textbook for the Level 2 of the OTA. And, you know, now every, everybody needs to be able to do what John has been teaching people to do since 2013. So uh, that's pretty much all I really uh, focused on for, uh, for, the, for the past month. We, of course, we do newsletters and still publish articles at the PTDC, but um, just online training, even though I'm not a trainer, uh, it has been keeping me about as busy as I've ever been. Well, that's the interesting thing because I think, and like I'll let Lee talk after too, but we've had Sam Pogon, and there's lots of ways to make money in fitness. And like you said, you're busy doing like writing work and getting all these processes filled up. So there's still like for some people, this whole thing didn't change anything. If anything, it made your job um, more busy. <laughs> and so it's kind of cool because I think everyone thinks that the whole training industry is upside down, no one's training, but th that's like one aspect of it. That's like the physical trainer part of it. And that's kind of why we wanted to bring you two on because you're. You're in that world right. on both ends. Right. So, Lee, what, what, what have you been up? What's, what's going on? So, um, as I mentioned before with regards to teaching in their virtual space, that that's sort of taken on. Uh, also, with online coaching, I've already already had like a, an existing maybe a small group of online clients. I don't usually keep too much volume with that. So, um, they've all stuck around, which is great. And uh, I've gotten a few more uh, online clients uh, to start out as well because of exactly what's been going on. Um, poorly equipped gym spaces. What should I buy for my living room or my basement gym? Uh, can you put me through a program that's actually going to be uh, sustainable for the time that this goes on? Um, and my existing clients too, you know, like what should I sort of move into my own space and how can we transition all the strength training that we've been doing with the full gym and what can we do in the interim? So uh, it's been a, a unique challenge that has been keeping me busy for sure. And um, yeah, it's it's been going pretty well. It really hasn't really um, it hasn't really uh, pittered off in terms of how busy it's been or how frequent uh, like subscriptions have been and stuff like that. Um, something that I recently actually decided to uh, offer. It was not um, it wasn't something that I had planned just for this. I actually had it planned for months and months before, but now was the perfect time to release it. So I started doing some form check stuff where people can actually just critique, have their, their, their form and technique of big lifts critiqued um, in the comfort of their own home or whatnot. And I'd give them some feedback on that. So, um, you know, it's just another sort of service that's, I think, uh, pretty useful, especially in times like this, um, especially if people don't uh, have the resources for full-fledged online coaching or personal training in person. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty busy overall, and I'm glad to be doing that stuff. 
there's actually one thing I think it's actually kind of relevant and maybe, maybe it can be like a greater topic, but I don't want to say capitalizing on uh, the pandemic, but how, I guess, as content creators and writers, like what's your thoughts around writing stuff that's kind of pandemic specific. And, and I'll, I'll use Lee as an example. Maybe you can start. Cause I think your article was like, uh, it's the best thing that ever happened. And I might be paraphrasing it wrong. So I'll let you take it away, but kind of what are your thoughts on how trainers or writers can kind of, um, I don't want to say use it to, to, to an advantage because I don't think that, but is it okay to use hot topics in your content, even if it's kind of a little controversial? Well, I think that the main reason why I actually saw, brought that up, brought that uh, topic up, and it's called um, the COVID-19 is the best thing to happen to the fitness industry in years, and here are five reasons why. That's what it was called. And uh, the reason why I used that sentence and that topic was because I found that there was a lot of sensationalizing that was going on in the media that could have sort of affected in a negative way a lot of the minds of people just in the regular world as a whole uh, there's a lot of pandemonium going on about this and uh, as serious as it is sometimes things can get a little bit blown out of proportion and then when you take that to the fitness world on top of it uh, people are not only just sort of preoccupied with the pandemic pandemic itself but now they're preoccupied doubly because they're thinking about losing all their gains and thinking about what's going to happen because they can't be in a gym and a full gym well, look at this from a glass half full perspective instead. Look at this from the angle of, well, here are all the new opportunities that I have and all the new things that I can do that I can challenge myself with because of this situation. Um, my fitness doesn't have to sort of go to hell about it. I can still really, really take advantage of these opportunities to work with uh, and perfect a lot of body weight work or calisthenics or get my cardio up or go on runs and all these other things. Give my joints a chance to get salvaged because I'm not just pummeling them with heavy weights all the time. Um, there are a lot of different ways to look at it that um, we sort of tend to overlook just in the name of uh, what's going to happen with my strength training. And from a trainer's perspective and from a, from a coach's perspective as well, you know, it can force somebody to diversify their approach. It can uh, force somebody to um, have a few more avenues in which they can create platforms for themselves to, to create business for themselves and keep themselves busy. And um, it could be the kick in the pants that they needed, even if this didn't happen in the first place, um, to be present on various spaces, not just in person, maybe having an online offer, having some kind of uh, blog that they're working on and something that drives traffic to them in a virtual space. So I think that um, all of those things are uh, useful to actually consider for a lot of uh, trainers and for a lot of trainees and lifters uh, so they can look at this from a positive angle. And I guess like the reason why I asked too is because I think like with a lot of this stuff and Lou, maybe you could touch on this as our curator of fitness writing. Uh, but I think a lot of people are scared to touch on specifics of this pandemic and they're just staying away completely because they don't want to look bad or good. And I, it would just be interesting to see what your take is on that, Lou, in terms of how do you create content for this stuff without like sounding like a dick? Well, well, and, and, and it's, and it's really, there's two, there's two big arguments. I don't disagree. I, I agree with everything Lee said. I mean, that, that stuff is, is, is all out there in terms of, what you're doing to reach out to people with the goal of building an audience or sharing information there there's there's two um you, you've got you've got two considerations one is that any content you create now that's specific to the pandemic and that's totally legit that you want to create content for people who are stuck at home for the first time working out or whatever is that i think you said this at the, at the very beginning of the uh, as soon as we started rolling is um what happens when this goes away well now that content's not relevant anymore so if your goal is to get attention now 
for a new business, as Lee said, or, um, or just because you, you've got information you want to share, you've got to do that with the understanding that a month from now, or well, a year from now, maybe even three months from now, it's, it's going to be irrelevant to most of the audience you're trying to attract. Now, on, on this, with what we do with the, with the PTDC, that's a real dilemma because we don't want any content that's not perennial. We don't want anything that's not evergreen. Because one thing I, I know from my many, many years of doing this <clears throat> is that everything you write now is on the internet forever. I mean, it, it, it essentially, I, I, maybe in a year, I'll t you know, maybe in, let's say, about two and a half years I've been working for the, at the PTDC. In all that time, we, we've updated hundreds of articles, dozens we've completely overhauled with brand new, sometimes with new authors and everything, uh, but kept the same URL. But there's been maybe four or five we just took down and said, okay, this is, we, we, we really don't want this. This is, this was a, it made, it made, may have made sense in 2011, 12, we just took it down. So that leaves more than a thousand articles that are up on our site. Some of which, many of which have been around since 2011, 2012. So the question, the problem is when somebody finds one of those articles, uh, however they do it, whatever search engine takes them there, whatever search terms, that's a new article to them. That's not an eight or nine year old article. That's a brand new article. And, and all these, you know, books I've written, somebody picks one up that, you know, say the original new rules of lifting. I was just talking about this the other day. Ellen Cosgrove and I wrote that book in 2004, came out in January, 2006. Somebody who buys that book on Amazon today, that's a new book to them. They're not thinking, well, you know, this is, this was Alan's program back in 2004. I wonder if he still agrees with that. No, they just bought a new book. And to them, everything in there is brand new. So whatever you publish now, um, if you're talking about a website, social media is different, but if you're talking about something you're putting up on your website or an article you're submitting uh, to T Nation or PTBC or something like that, you've got to consider that a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, somebody's going to read that article and to them, that's going to be a new article. And you've got to, whatever you put in that article, you've got to consider it's not, people aren't just going to read this today or this week. They're going to be reading it possibly years from now. And that's why actually why I preface each one of these episodes with, you know, if, because a lot of people are going back and rediscovering our old episodes. So it is going to happen where someone who is listening to this is actually listening to this as this is passing, not in the thick of it, or far off in the future as they go through the archive of episodes. And I like to let that person who is going back and listening, I mean, I'd love to jump forward to that time right now. If you're the person who's finding this for the first time, it's like, shoot me a message because, you know, like time ain't standing still here. This is, uh, this seems like it's endless, but there are still lessons within it. Uh, God forbid we ever go through anything like this ever again, but. Well, well I'll, I'll add this. You know, we may not go through this, but we'll go through something. something and if you were completely caught by surprise by the fact that your gym closed down and all of a sudden you had to take your whole business online, okay, that that's that's on the that's on the universe. That's not on you. If you get caught by surprise a second time, well, no, that, that's on you. So you know, not that any of us can predict the future, but we do have to prepare ourselves for calamities. And that's why I hope that these episodes. There's a lot of lessons in here um, that have a broader philosophy of, you know, how to pivot, how to move. Because what I'm finding in a lot of people in the industry is a lot of people really hit the ground running, started making changes. Obviously, the big one was getting online. Uh, another one is getting into the virtual space. So uh, I was talking to Dean Somerset, and Dean is bunkered down in his place in the north side of the city. And he's doing 
30 or 40 Zoom virtual sessions a week. I've pivoted into that too, where he just chilled out in his, his basement on his laptop, watching what his clients are doing over a video. He's got such a strong relationship with them that I know that his clientele would have bought into that. He's really secure. You know, he's going to ride this one out no problem. He's probably writing articles for stuff. And, uh, and, and I'm sure he just did that at the snap of a finger. When and maybe you see, you mentioned like it's time to write stuff and maybe we'll start with Lee with this. Do you think like, especially for the trainers who have nothing, because there's this argument that like, this isn't the time to smash yourself with all these new projects, but maybe you get your takes on like, I'm sitting at home, I'm a trainer and like, I need to like get online and get writing. Is this the time to start doubling down on that? Um, and what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I think that now more than ever, it's going to be like as, as saturated as it possibly can get for the amount of people who are actually involved in it. So for somebody who's sort of just cracking into that area, whether or not they're going to have too many opportunities compared to people who might've gotten, you know, a little bit more experience with it. Now it doesn't mean that they can't do it and it doesn't mean that they can't, uh, you know, create some kind of a window for themselves or, you know, make their, their stuff virtually more accessible or whatnot. Uh, it doesn't mean any of that stuff, but whether or not they're going to have um, as many looks, for example, from, you know, a, a publication editor compared to somebody else who's already been existing in the space might be a little bit tougher for them. Um, with that said, one would hope that somebody is already sort of existing on more than one platform. For example, they do have a social media account that contains their fitness information or they do have a blog where they are putting up some sort of posts on the regular so their information is still there and it's not as uh, as stark a transition for them when they have to make it um and that's that's really what i think about that it is definitely possible um and there's definitely going to be a demand for it now but uh they might be a little bit rudely awakened if things don't happen quite as quickly as they'd like to in terms of getting published for a lot of actual publications so um, yeah, plus, you know, there's a lot of changes that are happening in publications from what I've been seeing over the last couple of years, uh, regardless of this pandemic, as far as, um, you know, how widespread the amount of um, print magazines are, for example, compared to transitioning to the online space. Um, there's a lot of magazines that are sort of just dying off or budget changes or uh, people who are using in-house editors and uh, in-house writers rather than actually having um, experts who are freelance writers to actually contribute. So now all of a sudden they're asking the experts for um, what they call expert quotes. So they're, they're quoted in the thing, but they're not actually the byline author of the article. Therefore, they're not going to be compensated for it or not compensated as much for it. So um, there are a lot of slashes and things that are uh, being done for budget restrictions and whatnot. And uh, it's just the nature of the business as the last uh, couple of years has proven. Well, and that's where maybe like, because like, it's kind of funny that you say like the way you said it, because like Pete kind of had that Senate um, sentiment when he was talking about getting into online training, like when the next time hits, like Lou is saying, the second time around, um, he alluded to the fact that like a lot of the big dogs are going to have better products and they're going to be jumping into space and not a warning, but just kind of put everyone on notice that like it's you still have to put out good stuff regardless. Like it's not the time to just dip in and put your shittiest stuff out there because now all the big dogs are paying attention. And maybe that's where Lou goes, but Lou, I guess, kind of if you wanted to continue on what Lee was saying or Andrew, if you had something. Well, just, just to add, said, it, it's ne it's never a good time to put, you know, to like what we used to call empty out your file cabinet. In this case, you know, empty out your hard drive or your cloud drive. That that's never a good time. If it's not worth sharing, it's not worth sharing now. If it wasn't worth sharing a year ago, don't don't share it now. That doesn't mean you can't pull something out and and give it a second look and overhaul it or 
or uh, repurpose something you already published um, with some with some new thoughts about it. That's all totally legit. But I don't think you ever want, like I said earlier, everything on the internet lives forever. I don't think you ever want to put work out there if you if you don't think it's the best representation of what you can do right now. You can't do much about the stuff that's already out there except except update it and overhaul it maybe. But I don't think you ever want to be putting something out there just, oh my God, I got to put something out because my God, the world has enough content, you know? That was the one, the reason why I ask is because like you see all those like motivational quotes and like like those Twitter things on Instagram. It's like, this is the time to be like getting out and putting your stuff out and blah, 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 blah. But like it misses a lot of it where where there has to be that like context of it has to be good stuff and your best work because I think that that might be mistranslated as I just need to get in and sometimes getting in with your worst foot forward or just like just the half-ass attempt isn't helpful long-term. Cause like you said, it lasts forever. I, I just want to keep that warning up there because you guys are kind of repeating that too. I think there's something important to consider this as well. And this is something I think Jordan Syed has said this a bunch of times. I know that uh, again, being Somerset being early in his career, we are also talking a little bit about people who have done it, who are already, uh, practiced and established a certain level of quality. Those people you don't want to just, like we said, empty the file cabinet and start putting out some standard things. But I wouldn't want this to be uh, a message that would discourage someone from getting started because we can't have the expectation that someone just getting started is going to be as good as someone who's been doing it for a few years. So it's a classic get in the reps. And I think it is a really good time if you have the extra time to get in the reps. And if it's you know creating YouTube videos or if it's writing, I mean, I started with a website and a first article. I was lucky. My stuff kind of took off quite quickly. But then again, I've been writing blog style on Facebook for probably several years. And then uh, pretty soon one of my articles got, uh, Lou, what you, your guys' attention got shared on the weekly list. And next thing you know, I get asked to write for T Nation. And, and that's not necessarily how it works for everyone. So be prepared. Even my first couple articles are, are probably nowhere near as good as the stuff I've been working on more recently. But don't let that discourage you from actually getting the practice in. And maybe then you turn around and reach out to people who are in the writing space, who know a bit more about it. Uh, you know, maybe start reading some books. One of my favorites is On Writing Well by Zinzer. That's the one I recommend to any writer who wants to get started. There's a few other really good ones where you're practicing and studying that art to the point where the stuff you start putting out uh, becomes quite good. But you have to start somewhere, and I wouldn't want someone to be afraid to at least try. Well, and maybe that's really good. I, I would never discourage people. I mean, the the thing about when you're when you're just starting out, you're rarely getting attention. So you're kind of you know you're you're I, I've compared it to shooting baskets in your driveway to learn you know to work on your shooting technique, and then you go and you play pickup games in the in 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 the park back when we used to have. You know, back when people used to do that, which was, you know, until a month ago. Four so, months ago, yeah. Like. Right. So, yeah, obviously you have to get in your reps and you have to put stuff out there. But if you're just starting out, not many people are going to be paying attention yet. And you've got this really long runway where you can steadily, as you as you get better, hopefully your skill and your audience will grow in tandem so that by the time you you've matched your uh your, your abilities match your your knowledge and, and the message you have to put out you figured out how to express that by then you've got an audience that's receptive to it and things can take off from there it might happen very fast 
if you're already, say, a, a very skilled and experienced trainer like you were at the time you were, were talking about, um, it might happen slowly if you're just starting your career and the information you're sharing is based on what you know now. Well, five years from now, you're going to know a lot more. You're probably going to have a lot more writing skill, um, and you probably have an audience, that, a, a sort of an audience you've built up along the way that's kind of grown with you. So all those things are good. Uh, big point, though, is you really don't want to use this as the time to rush it and start screaming for attention when you're when your your knowledge and your skill aren't worthy aren't yet worthy of attention and i know that probably sounds really discouraging to people but i don't mean it that way because the only way you can get the skill is to build the skill the only way you can have the knowledge is to build the knowledge and the only way you can you can uh, uh, match figure out the ideal match of these two things and the ide ideal platforms to express these things uh, are by trial and error and you the beauty of it is you get to do that before a lot of people are paying attention. Well, let's go here because I'm. This is going to sound like really general, but like I'm just going to assume some people listening to this might get something from this, and maybe they're the ones playing like their pickup games with their own, playing horse by themselves in their driveway, and then they need to go to the park and play basketball. You were saying specifically like this might not be the time to go like just slam and go into it. So I guess what would your recommendation, we can start with Lou, be for the person who wants to get to the next level, but they're kind of they're, we're in this situation where now they want to get the reps in. What does that look like right now with the way the world is? With the you know, social media, you're, you, you know, post your, share your thoughts on, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, link to it on whatever platforms um, you're on, whatever the fuck TikTok is. I don't know if people use that. I, uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever else is, is out there. You got videos, you know, you've got your, you, you know, you got Instagram, you got Facebook, you got, you know, you've got IGTV, you've got Facebook live, you've got, uh, you, you can post some of that. I think you can cross post most of those things on, on, uh, uh, on YouTube and if people want to pay attention, they want to pay attention. I'm not trying to discourage anybody from creating stuff and putting it out there. Um, it's that, and, and all right, and every, I, I've seen a lot of complaints about this, so I know I'm not the only one. But this deluge of people asking you to like their pages, I get more, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting far more email spam than I've gotten in, in a couple of years. I'm getting, I'm certainly getting more on social media more just ridiculous friend requests and you know like my page and it's like you know joe's sandpaper in sandusky ohio wants you to like their page why the fuck you know why why even why even send that out and i look at that and i just think well joe's sandpaper in fucking sandusky ohio is really fucking desperate because he can't sell sandpaper now so he needs people to like his page for some goddamn reason if i didn't need sandpaper before why do i need sandpaper now and why do i need it in sandusky ohio but somebody thinks i should like that fucking page so um, I, I'm getting far more of those. I'm getting, every time I go on Facebook, there's like four or five new ones now. Why anyone would care if I like their goddamn sandpaper shop in Sandusky, Ohio? I don't know. But I, and, and, you, and, and I'm sort of exaggerating for effect, but not really. I get, every one I get is more ridiculous than the last one. It's like, why, why even send that out? Who's doing this? And then all the friend requests from people who don't have any friends in common with you who, you know, so it's like, I know some of those are just, you know, Russian spammers or whatever, or, you know, or, or hackers, but it's like, I'm getting more of those now. So there's this desperation. And if you're throwing yourself out there in the midst of this tsunami of desperation, you're going to look like one of them. So 
So if you weren't already building up to this, now is not the time to go try to go from you know zero to a hundred. Now's the time to keep doing what you were doing, maybe a little bit faster. Maybe you're putting out a little bit more, but you're still ramping up. Rather than I'm going to do everything I can to get as much attention as I can right now, even though I haven't done anything to set myself up to be worthy of this attention. I'll go read to Lee in a sec, but I've noticed that the uh, the very young looking business coaches are in the friend request of the DMs. And I know we pick up, we, we sort of stop picking on them, but we're back at it again. So I noticed that I got a friend request today from a girl. She looks 12 uh, and we have like five mutual friends and she is underneath one of the guys that looks 15, who is a name I've seen around in that. And I'm not talking about your Luca Hosmars, your Pete Duquees and your Eric Fox and Ryan Ketchums, the guys who, you know, have the, the really, really established legit, or the Alan Cosgroves, right? The, the, you know, the guy who's the godfather of this stuff. I'm talking about the, I quote, I help the fitness business owners <laughs> make six figures. Or, or seven stuff. figures, right? You, Some 21 year old guys going to tell you how to make seven yeah. figures by training people online. The, did you see the PTDC comment? And the, sorry, like, we're, Lee, we'll get your answer. But the one was like, I, I don't know if it was John who said it or someone's like, where's, can someone just have like a four figure business coach out right now? Like, that's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be good for I think, that that's a good one. John, I think John is this for a long time. Like that's John responded saying, Hey, I've been helping trainers make an extra thousand bucks for Yeah, it I was like, Oh, that's actually brilliant. <laughs> All right, Lee, floor's yours for a while. Um, so I agree with what Lou was saying, um, with regards to uh just the approaches that uh that are gonna be the most useful. I think the social media is gonna be uh the most uh efficient and effective way for somebody who might not have a name out there in that space yet. Um, you know, this is an end this is an era and a part of the industry where everybody has the opportunity to create their own sort of like stage for themselves if they really want to. And if you really think about it, some of really huge names in, in the Instagram world, for example, and in the Facebook world and all these people who have a million and one followers and whatnot, there's so many of them who have never written on their fitness, right? And they're fitness people and they have all sorts of content and so on. And so the content might be actually really good too. And, and these people, a lot of them haven't even written an article in their lives. You know, they just simply relied only on uh, those social media outlets to get the amount of following that they have and the size of the audience that they have. Um, I'm being extreme by saying that, but it's just going to show that uh, the resource that is social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, yeah, Twitter, and whatever else is out there, I've only got the three. Um, those things can be very, very useful for uh, somebody, especially if they're just trying to get their feet wet into the virtual space. And um, if they're realizing that through this pandemic, especially, uh, they do need to sort of uh, ramp up a little bit of volume uh, without throwing things in someone's face or without trying to uh, get published as uh, frenetically as possible might be a, still a good uh, idea for them to just continue to gradually produce some good social media content and, uh, you know, and promote their ideas there. It's going to be good for them. Uh, let's actually ask you something here, because I remember when you went from not having an Instagram account. In fact, like I remember when I first added you to Facebook, uh, I, I added you because I couldn't follow you because you didn't allow that option. And then, like, I've been reading your stuff through T Nation for a really long time and, and your own articles. And I can't recommend them enough. In fact, like your T Nation stuff is always great, but I actually tell people go read your blog because you have a lot of these like very brutally honest commentaries on the fitness industry. Now you then turn around and decided to start an Instagram account and it grew really rapidly. So 
obviously you had put in a lot of time and had an audience through other vehicles, but could you explain the tools or the tactics you took to actually see your Instagram audience grow, the quality stuff? Um, well, the one thing that I tried to sort of enforce early on was just consistency of, of uh, creating content. So I always made sure to post a minimum of two things a day. Um, and whether it was like, uh, one of my own sort of like thoughts, quotations, a tweet, something like that, just a written thing. And then a video that helps somebody with exercise. Like here's a good variation for uh, dumbbell press. That's really good for shoulders and blah, blah, whatever it is. And so I always have some kind of thing that always has the sort of the underlying vein of education, but also, uh, I wanted to make sure that I posted two things per day. Sometimes I did three. Um, I never really did one for the first year. It was always at least two. And um, so the consistency was really one of the things for sure. And of course, making sure that the quality of the content was up to par. Um, so, you know, when it comes to like the way that I would, uh, you mentioned my blog, for example, I don't really blog too often, but you know, it's because I only, I don't try to force anything out. You know, I only wait for the time when I'm really, really sort of, um, I found the impetus to actually write 2000 words on a certain topic that I feel pretty strongly about that I want to, you know, give my thoughts on and, um, you know, and I take the time to really put it out and put it together as well as I can. Um, so it really, really goes back into what, you know, all four of us have really been talking about in terms of quality being uh, more important than quantity and uh, not really trying to uh, force anything. And uh, sort of the way that the methodical approach that I do take to my Instagram with consistency being key and, um, you know, just sort of making sure that I don't really lose any sort of uh, steam where that's concerned and keeping that quality up. So it did happen to, I was like a six years late to the actual parade when it came to uh, Instagram. I added my Instagram in 2018 at the end of it. And um, I think Instagram had been around since what 2013 12 i'm not sure people had it for a long time so um of course that definitely helps the cause in terms of getting a few waves of uh, audience members from facebook and from twitter who learned that i have instagram now and so they're going to come on over as well but um i think that uh, the rapid sort of rate of change that uh, i did see was coming from uh, first and foremost that consistency and uh, making sure that my content was pretty solid um and you know people are starting to come to i guess come to expect or understand sort of my way of doing things in terms of the way that I post and the things that I might write or the things I might write and reply to certain things or the, the way I might finish off a post or the way that I might, you know, all those kinds of little nuances. So um, yeah, it's like a little bit of a personality in there as well, which is a good thing. So um, it's, it's sort of just the way that I've been kind of operating and how I like to do things with everything really. Consistency and quality got to be like revolutionary uh, ideas. Yeah. Can I ask, can I ask all, all three of you guys a question? What do you do with your Instagram audience? I mean, Instagram, like one thing I've always liked about Facebook is that you can use it like a blog. You can, you can, you can promote your own work if you're, you know, if you, if you're, you know, if, if that's what you want to do, you can post links to things, you can give people ways to buy your stuff or, or to, um, you know, support whatever, whatever you're trying to do. How does that work on Instagram? Cause you only get the one damn link, you know, and then you got to change it every time you change your promotion. So Lee I has, a better, Lee has a better idea. Cause he has over 10,000 followers, which, like not joking. Like it, it adds a lot more features. Cause but he gets it's, swipe probably the best yeah. answer to that because Andrew and I we like use it to do our own stuff. But at this point, it's it's amateur because it, there, we don't have half the features, so it's just more. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm talking for Andrew, but <laughs> I'll um, answer after the so, leave first. 
personally um what i do is like i have there's an application that you can uh, apply to your instagram and it's called linktree and so for whenever i uh, get published in an article or anything like that um linktree allows for at least 10 links to be sort of live at the same time that you can sort of so you click that link in your bio and then you see the tree and so you see my last 10 publications that have sort of come out and uh, if you scroll down further you can see more than that but visual visible to the person on one screen is going to be 10 and so that makes it a little bit easier for someone to navigate through your content um, so that's number one um, outside of that, I use it to promote my content alone. I use Instagram strictly, or mainly anyway, for videos and stuff like that. And um, I found that especially in the online space, I get the most inquiries, to be honest, off of the stuff from Instagram. So uh, it does definitely hold its own in terms of uh, creating some form of traction and some kind of uh, carryover to business. Um, a lot of people are less afraid to um, uh, use a DM on Instagram compared to uh, sending a direct, like an email, for example, and actually going onto their account and doing that or going onto my website and doing that. So it's, it's a pretty good hub for, uh, for that kind of stuff. And I have gotten uh, a good number of people over the last, uh, I guess, year and a half now uh, through Instagram for online coaching specifically, and even a few in person as well for the people who do follow me here in Toronto. Oh, that's great. Do you guys get that too? I mean, do people... Do people like, Lee's got a larger following, but, uh, oh God, several months ago, I started getting really engaged with mine. A lot of it came from some ideas from Jordan Syatt and talking to him. Uh, a lot of it actually sounds just like what Lee said. They'll try to post three or two or three times a day. And, and I found, you know, like Lee and I both do the same thing where we'll like write something on Twitter and then sort of screen grab it, chop it, put it up as an Instagram post. And those are, if you write them well and your ideas are good, because I've seen a lot of people sharing stuff that just, it's like, uh, it just, just doesn't work. Uh, those get shared like crazy. They're super popular. And then, of course, people tag you in it and uh, then you get more followers. So I was watching my following grow really rapidly. It slowed a bit because I got thrown a bit off track with this and now I'm about to kind of get back on it again. But you, like Lee said, you have an opportunity to engage with your followers. And again, this is something that Syed has said a lot where you know if you've got a bunch of new followers go and message them and say hey thanks for following me like make it sound like you're not a bot responding be a human if somebody shares something that you have posted message them back thank them talk and i've gotten a ton of that one-on-one -on -one interaction stuff and you get an audience that's like five hundred thousand, you have a whole different set of problems and science still does it but with an audience in a few thousand what the the percentage of that that's engaged it's very easy to actually have some conversations back and forth and you get some really devoted and interested fans of your work and then all of a sudden you're going to have conversations about I, I can't count the number of people who've gotten onto our podcast because of those one-on-one -on -one conversations uh you know up and coming trainers that sort of stuff uh people who've been interested in writing sharing my writing stuff so even though it's not a it's a hard to scale thing if you're having these one-on-one -on -one things you can still get very engaged people who are reading and absorbing everything you're doing and it's not like you need a hundred thousand very very passive followers you end up with the classic numbers what a thousand you know true devoted fans who are doing everything taking in everything you're doing that can carry an entire career so i found that the potential for engagement like lee said is higher again especially in that one-on-one -on -one in the messages side and uh, I, I, I was shocked at how well it worked and how well my audience grew as people who are just everything I post. I have people who literally everything I post, they will share it and they want their followers to follow me. They're devoted. Because yeah, you post your cat all the time. 
they like that too. Yeah, people like cats. Like you are. Figuring... <laughs> okay, I do want to. I want to bring up something because Lee brought it up, and I think that I want to start with Lou because Lou, again, Lou, Lou knows everything for writing. Like you've been around, um, and it might be helpful for people in this period trying to create stuff. But Lee alluded to essentially people know his personality and know he's going to end stuff. They know kind of how he's going to respond in his type of articles. How would someone that's looking to kind of um, again, get their reps in and start to create this thing. How do they go about creating a personality in through writing, um, especially during this time? Because I think that that's helpful in terms of building the bigger brand later on once they actually get a shot. Well, you, you can't manufacture a personality. And, you know, you, you've got to, it's got to be something you already have inside you. You know, with Lee, it's, it's utter scorn at, at you know, the... <laughs> at the depths of some of his fellow fitness professionals. So that works for him. Um, with me, I've always gotten most of my knowledge out of making fun of myself. And, and, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, you, I stop me if you've heard, well, don't stop me if you've heard this story. Fuck you. I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, but uh, first time I met Mike Boyle, um, like Lee, I'd known him, you know, worked with him online. Where we edited articles. I'd interviewed him for years. And then I met him one time at a perform better conference and he just kind of looks at me blankly. And I said, oh, you know, told uh, Lou Schuler, and he goes, "Wow, I thought you'd be bigger." And I said, "But I'm always writing about how much I struggle with all this shit." And he said, "Yeah, but I, I just, I just thought you were being modest." No, <laughs> that's 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 really what I do and what I talk about. I'm not making I'm not making that up. So um, if you look, if whatever you, whatever is unique about you, you know, Jordan Syatt, nerding out in the Harry Potter stuff. Um, Tony Gentilcore talking about his, you know, he, he likes techno music for some goddamn reason. I, I, I don't know. It's a, to me, it, to me, it's just, you know, the, the same thing circling around in your head all the time. I would, you know, to me, that would, that would be like a, some, you would, if you ever wanted to torture me, start with techno and, you know, and then maybe work your way up to heavy metal, but definitely start with techno. So, um, but still, that's his personality. And even if you don't like techno music, all the references to it, and then, of course, all his other nerd references start to grow on you. So whatever information he's sharing is eventually you're going you're gonna to catch on to the rhythm. That, yeah, he's going to make some jokes about this and some jokes about that, but there's always a point to it. So you're entertaining people, but you're never wasting their time. And, of course, Lee is very good at not wasting people's time. He's got his points to make, and he makes them. Um, I try not to, uh, so whatever personality, whatever you are going to build a brand around and you may build a brand around, um, just being the most straightforward fact-based person out there. I, I made a, uh, talked in an earlier podcast recently about Brad Schoenfeld, you know, I mean, that guy, he's going to write the same, whether he's writing on Instagram or, or Facebook or he's writing for uh, for an academic journal for peer He's always, he, you know, that's he's always going to write the same way, and you know that's Brad. You know that, that he's he's going to share the facts, and and if he's got a if he's got an opinion, it's going to be based on something, and he'll be happy to give you the references too. So, whatever whatever drives you, whatever people like about you, whatever. Um, what whatever bonds you to people other than I'm just going to give you, because there's plenty of information out there. Nobody needs more information. 
what they need is better information and the delivery makes makes a big difference so don't try to make up something that's not there don't talk about you know your cats if you don't have any cats you know don't 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 like go out and get a pet just so it so so to give the illusion that you have some kind of personality that you don't have you know don't I, I don't think it especially with social media right now because it is social I think it's harder to it's both easier and harder to fake it so there's so many phonies out there I don't have like a perfect bullshit meter but if somebody if it's not interesting to me if I feel like somebody's trying to overcompensate for something I'll tune out pretty quickly so I, I, I hope there was some useful advice somewhere. Well, and as just to, to go more on, the, like, just a little bit from you is that, so you've seen a lot of people's writings and, and edited and all that stuff. How does, how, how do you pick it out in articles that you've read that, like, you've seen that it's inauthentic, but, like, you, you can tell, like, what's a red flag for you when you're going through stuff? Well, I don't know about a red flag because I, I mean, one great thing about working with John Goodman and, and the team at the PTDC and all the contributors there, these are sincere people. So most of the stuff I get in is pretty, is, is pretty serious and straightforward. And these are people who don't pay much. So these are people who really just think they have, want, want to share the information they have, something that's worked with their clients, a problem they solved. They really want to share this. So there you're dealing with sincere people. And what I'm looking for um, what I'm looking for there is the, is the quality of the information. And, and I don't expect them, I mean, I'm being paid to edit their articles. So I don't expect them to come to me with stuff that doesn't require, you know, a, a pretty heavy lift on, on my part. And that's totally fine. That's my job, but I need their information. I can't, I can't create something out of, out of nothing as an editor. If I'm going to do that, I'll just write an article and put my own name on it. Um, what, uh, what would be a red flag to me is if somebody, and, and this actually happens a lot, is I'll get a lot of pitches from people outside the industry. I've noticed your blog, you know, <laughs> what a great job you do. And then, and, and they've got no actual specific reference to anything we've done that was actually good. And it's just like, okay, I can see in that first sentence that you have some other motive you don't care about actually helping anybody. You want the link to your site or, you know, a chance to hawk their product or, or whatever it is. So that's a red flag, but most of, but the actual sincere people I deal with, um, there, there's, there's like no one thing that would, that would set me off because my job is if they've got great information is to figure out how to, how to shape that. So it's works for our audience. I'll actually, I want to grab that for a second and I'll give Lee some air time. Um, what you just said about you know a general uh, message. This also applies to when you meet people in the industry uh, at conferences or for the first time. Uh, and I can't count the number of times. And, and Lou, I know for a fact I've done this with you and Lee. I suspect the same thing when we first met. For sure, did it. Is that you go up to a person and you say something very specific about their work that you know about. I remember the first time I met Spencer Nadolsky and Sohi Lee, and both of whom become friends of mine. Uh, I, I was able to, and I'm, I'm walking out of this hotel, actually the first time I met you, Lou, and in there coming, and I, I actually went up and said hi to them because I was a big fan of their work for a long time. And I said something very, very specific about a, a video or an idea, and that made an impression. So, and Lou, with you, um, I believe, well, one of your books I really liked, and I actually got you to sign it, 
really? uh, that, that I love. What's that? I said, that's the way you do it. You get the book and get it signed. Well, totally, because like I owe the fucking book because I brought it with me because I knew Lou was going to be there and, and his co-author. And so I got the book signed. And uh, But yeah, the guy, I love that book. Anyway, but uh, if you're going to go and meet people at uh, events and whatnot, actually go up to them and like, share very specific things about their work that you really enjoy. And that's actually going to go a long way versus going just general shit, like you just said. Lee, uh, your take on all this. Well, can I just can I just add to that? Is that you went into this with intention? You were coming to the fitness summit for the first time in Kansas City, and your goal was you knew that I was going to be there. I assume you knew Spencer was going to be there, yep, uh, because he was a he was a speaker. So you go there with something planned, and the goal you're not going there with the goal of being becoming like great friends. You're not doing this to network. You're just doing this to. This is just the first step. And maybe it's not even the first step. Maybe you've already connected with them on social media, but still, you're going. You're doing this with intention, um, which, which is which is which is really important because if you just, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let Lee take it from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I agree with Lou again when it comes to um, just first of all with regards to like personality and stuff like that, and making sure that uh, you're not like a phony version of yourself or a fake version of yourself that you're saying things that are actually true to you. That's a, that's a really, really big thing. Um, and a red flag, if I was to say, just from my own like experience, I find, and so it's actually sort of built in because it's a mistake that I made early on when it came to my writing is uh, just being aware that, you know, I find that the most blatant thing to me is uh, the use of humor and uh, how aggressively you try to be funny in your articles, even if there's no real reason to be funny. Um, A lot of people tend to think that infusing humor that isn't funny, like just infusing humor just way more frequently than they relatively need to do that, um, changes the tone of the article, and uh, it might not come across as forced, but it does. Um, many times if it's not consistent with the with the tone of the article as a whole, if it doesn't sort of flow too smoothly and whatnot, you know, if the reader's not going to at least like smirk at it or something like that, then it's probably not even useful, useful in being in there. So um, I find that sometimes uh, flails for humor is uh, the main one that... Uh, that I've noticed is uh, is a real uh, red flag for people not really being genuine in terms of their own uh, their own personality coming through in an article or something they write or even in, even if we want to talk about uh, in the video space or like an actual personality um, sometimes I think that you know if I was to sum up what Lou was saying in his uh, second to last answer to your question it was uh, it would just basically be don't try to copy somebody else. Um, just oh, really be yourself. Yeah, like if you if you if you really think about it, and let's take the example of like going to the gym and lifting weights and so on. You know, there's getting pumped up for your set. You got a heavy lift to do. There's getting pumped up for your set. There's getting amped up. There's getting yourself prepared. You might slap yourself a couple times or use smelling salts or whatever it is. But there's always going to be the guy in the gym as well. You might, yeah. lightweight, lightweight baby, and saying all that stuff. And it's like you didn't come up with that. Ronnie Coleman says that, and because Ronnie Coleman says that, and you watch Ronnie Coleman a lot, now you're going and saying that and thinking that it's going to get you pumped up the same way when there might be a better trigger for you to perform the best way, right? So don't copy somebody else just because it's a part of the culture. You do your own thing. I'm not a person who personally responds that well to screaming and getting loud and all that stuff at all. 
I'm somebody who sort of executes very quietly when I do my own workouts, you know, and when exertion's there, exertion's there, but I don't do any sort of theatrics to amp up. That's just me. So um, now bringing that back to the sort of the writing world or the speaking space or anything like that, it's pretty obvious to me anyway, when somebody is not really the, the real version of themselves, or at least uh, that doesn't consume the majority of the things that they say and the things they do or the things that they write, um, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And it's even worse when you actually meet the person in person and their writing is not matching what their personality is like, or the personality is different on stage than it is when they're talking to you one-on-one or whatever it is. I don't really have um you know i i don't aspire to be that way myself and i try to really be consistent across the board and uh you know you're going to develop maybe you'll develop your audience at a slower rate but at least it's going to be a much more true and genuine audience so um that's the way that i sort of try to reach people and get uh, get across to people um you know i'm not the type of person who swears and curses all the time i know a lot of people who are maybe that's them well if I was to go and transition into being that way, a lot of people who are current audience members of mine would probably be like, what's this guy doing? Like, why is he like that? That's not like me. So, uh, you know, the same thing sort of applies when it comes to, uh, you know, just everybody else in terms of, you know, you got to be a version of yourself that, you know, is consistent with your actual personality. And uh, that's, that's the way that it's going to really, really uh, sort of uh, show the fruits of your labor. Well, to echo that, Andrew and I basically went through that process with this podcast, I want to say the first two episodes, I called him and I was like, I feel like I'm too censored because we had everything, like we had all our questions lined up and we're like, we're not going to swear. We're not going to do this. And I was like, I, I can't do it. With, when did we like, ever say we were not going to swear? Well, no, but it was like, I felt like I shouldn't swear because it's just like that whole, maybe we didn't plan it out. But like in my head, I was like, it needs to be a certain way just because you kind of hear interviews. Um, and the whole reason why we started it was because I didn't like those podcasts. And then I had to snap out of it and like, yeah, I'm just taking, like, there's no filter now. Because if I do that, it's going to turn into something that literally isn't me. And like, no one's going to like, like it was so shitty the first two episodes. I'm sorry. But I think, I think you're a little hard on it. I actually don't, I thought they were actually pretty good for the start, but they've obviously evolved a ton and yeah, the quality's yeah. improved. Uh, I never would have imagined what this would have spiraled into, uh, you know, in terms of the kind of the listenership and the, and the guests we've it, had it, on here is, is ludicrous. It me but, and I could feel it. And like, I feel like what Lee's saying with like, when you make bad jokes, or like we talked about it with Jordan, like, you know, those people in person, like when they, they laugh and it's like not a real laugh, it's like, shut the fuck up. Like you're literally a bad person because someone who like fake laughs to like get attention or like act like they're part of the crew, everyone knows that person. And so I think that they know that. So if you feel those feelings when you're writing something, it's pro that would be a red flag for me is like, if you feel bad about what you're doing, like maybe that's a normal human thing, but maybe more people should act on it. Because could you imagine being the person that has to make a really bad joke because you think that's what other people want to hear and you know it's a bad joke? It would just, and then you have to write it out and then actually no one laughs at it. So it's just all around bad. That's how I would feel. Yeah, sorry, bad rant. <laughs> I, I, but, well, I, I've made a million jokes in my life that nobody laughed at, but um, I, I deal in volume. So you like, you probably like them. <laughs> the thing is, it probably was you. It would be worse if it was like a bad joke that you didn't even like because you thought other people. Have you done that? what have you done that have you like known have you like been inauthentic i guess to yourself and then it turned out to be shitty too at the same time no, my problem is you know i sort of I'm, I'm always trying to turn everything into trying to find the humor in in everything and yeah so i i'm, I'm it's always something that i just it, it well i should say 90 percent of the time is something i just thought of and uh you know it's either funny or it's not you know i mean nobody gets a thousand there but i you know 
<laughs> if, 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 if nobody laughs, okay, we all forget that happened and we move on. But I, to your point, it's a least point. Nobody is surprised that I tried to make a joke there. Yeah. You know, maybe they're certainly, and I, I've gotten much better. Uh, you talked about having a filter. I've gotten much better about not saying the first, first thing that comes to my head, which would obviously, <laughs> which, which uh, you know, good chance that's going to offend somebody. So I'm, I'm much better at filtering that out before it comes out. But the ones I say, yeah, I'm trying to be funny, not using anybody else's material. And if it's not funny, it's not funny. Yeah. And there was a joke on, it was like a Chris D'Elia or whatever. It was like, it's the new comedy on Netflix. Anyways, it was like how, and not to say you're super old, but the kind of running joke is we make fun of Lou for being old. And it was like, have you ever seen like an old person who doesn't speak their mind? And someone will be like, well, haven't you thought about it this way? And they're like, yeah, I've thought about it every single way. I'm 90 years old. And so I'm going to say what I'm going to say the first thing to my head. So maybe that's okay for you. Because as you get older. I can't wait. I can't wait to be 80. And like, I guess well, like Lou's a little closer Lou's to almost that. at 80. He I, can I, see whatever I, he I really hope you arrive at a point where your belt is up about at the base of your ribs and you're sitting <laughs> on the porch with a shotgun and a beer can yelling at kids. I look forward to that day. And that would totally be you. And I bet that would be Lee in terms of fitness professionals, for sure. Now, <laughs> Lee, Lee is going to be Shaft, like Samuel L. Jackson, 70 years of age, Shaft. That is going to be Lee. So, Lee, you got any thoughts? Okay. On this? That's the I'll make sure to shave my head and everything so that I take on the look that I just perfectly as well. <laughs> I'm trying to decide on a, a, a graphic. Usually we don't discuss these too much. And I keep coming back to the fifth element because, well, I mean, there's Bruce Willis's character, Dallas Corbin, and then there's Lee Lou. So I've got Lee and Lou on here. And I know that's a really lame joke, but I almost... No, 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 no. no. You're not putting that orange bikini on. I, I don't know about Lee. You're not putting it on me. That, that well, was, you look it all you look a lot more like Bruce Willis. So yeah, no, I, I'm a, I'm I'm you know if you want if you want to project me into the future, just imagine Charles Xavier without hopefully without the wheelchair, and that's you know that that that's me, and he can be Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> figure something out. Actually, that's not too bad either. So. Yeah, or I'm, I could be Charles Xavier with with um, I guess Wolverine's sense of humor, and you know, and Lee can be you know have have wolverine superpowers that's fine yeah, what, what, who would you want to be we didn't even ask lee we're just assuming what lee's character is <laughs> that's right we're, we're just assigning you superhero lee, lee what superhero do you want to be <laughs> superhero geez. or mutant. Um, mutant sorry we have to go x-men mutant yeah mutant yeah right yeah huh i'll say i would say cyclops or or beast i was gonna say beast for you because, like, he's super calm, but then, like, he's, like, super strong. And, like, that's how, like, the way you write and stuff, and you go super calm, and then you just go, like, rip, like, 500 on a deadlift, and you're so tall. You're like, man, that must have sucked so much. We might be able to come up with something there. There's plenty of, like, Charles Xavier and Beast, so we'll see. We've got to come up with a title, what have you. Uh, shit. Any philosophical stuff for, you know, the trainer who is really having a tough time with this right now? Obviously, we're in an uncertain timeline, but one of my thoughts, and, and I've written this, and actually, Lou, I think it was, I know it's John Goodman's email, but I think it was you that shared it, where I, I had posted something on social media about how we're going to see a, a big exodus from our industry, because there's going to be a lot of people who just, they can't handle uh, the un, uncertain, unstable nature of our income when times are good, and then this goes and happens. So you're going to see a rush for the exit. 
And I obviously think there's going to be a lot of opportunity there. So uh, anything within that that you guys want to share? Um, personally, I think that, uh, yeah, there's going to be an exodus from the industry for sure with the people who can't really hold on and so on. But I think that it's sort of like the whole night is darkest before the dawn type of thing here, because the second that, you know, the, the gates get lifted or however you want to put it and, uh, you know, gyms are back in, in, in uh, circulation and people are back to not having to social distance and all that stuff. Um, there's going to be so much flooding of the industry in terms of like how many people are going to be running back to the gym. Gyms are going to be overcrowded. It's not even going to be funny. And um, you know, the, the demand for personal training is probably going to be at an all time high. So um, you know, it is one of those situations where if there's going to be fewer trainers to actually render the service and offer the service, it presents a fantastic opportunity for somebody who might be just getting started or somebody who might be, you know, struggling before this all started um, in terms of making business and keeping busy um this is going to be a, a great sort of turn of events for them when it's all said and done so uh if there is some kind of a silver line to sort of view this um with, with in the back of your mind it's that and um you know i i do believe that there's going to be a, a time that comes that um you know the, it's going to turn around the entire business of, uh, of a personal trainer um who might be in need of it so I, I i think that there's definitely some good to sort of come out of this and um like i said even like i said in the article that we talked about at the beginning it's something where we can look at it glass half full and look at all the different ways that it might be pushing you right now um in order to sort of diversify your training and your approach um because like if somebody if someone can get through this then they could probably get through a whole lot um and uh it's a great way to sort of sort of be immersed into the industry and and uh be forced out of your comfort zone and if you could make you know if you can make dollars appear in the bank with that and if you could make clients appear in your docket like that and so on it's going to be uh spells good news for you in terms of when times are normal you're going to be perfectly fine i, I just want to repeat something I, I i said earlier which is you know this is not a permanent state of affairs but don't forget what happened here don't forget how you felt if you were completely blindsided by this and you had no other options don't let that happen again don't put yourself in a position where your entire business is this one thing and you know i know that that's probably not even if you're a gym owner you know you can train you can also simultaneously train some clients online and have that extra, you know, have that extra revenue stream. I, I think you don't, you don't want to leave, you, you, you know, life is too important to leave it to shit happens. Make sure that you remember what happened here and make sure that you are never without. Nice. Andrew, you want to take it home? I've thought, I, I agree with both of them. I actually have already sort of an idea of what I want to do when this gets done. And I'm actually, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to double down really hard on the in-person stuff. People will always want that experience. I think you have to have diverse avenues of income. And I think you need to be able to pivot if, if something like this, God forbid, ever happens again. But like we said, I think people will search back. I think the gyms, it's important to realize that the gyms will not open up quickly everywhere and they will not open up exactly the way things were there will be new policies in place there will probably be restrictions on the number of people that are in there there's that 
And there will be some people who will be a little hesitant to come back into public settings for the, you know, the next couple of months as this opens up, but there will be a lot of people who will want to get back to the gyms. So I think that there will be a strong potential for demand from clients. So I think anyone who still survives in our space is going to be able to pay their bills and they're going to be able to grow. But my plan is I'm going to double down on what I know I'm already great at. I'm going to work very hard at it. And I'm going to be more aggressive on social media and through my referral network and my clientele to say, guys, I want to meet the people in your universe who got shaken up by this, who are overweight, who have one or more of the comorbidities that uh, meant that they were at much higher risk of serious complications from this, this, this global pandemic. And, and I want to be the person who helps them instead of letting them walk into a commercial gym on impulse and get sold and assigned to a trainer who may or may not be qualified or, or very experienced. Meanwhile, uh, because I, well, one of the things I did, I first, I assembled a home gym and my original plan was to be able to train clients in my basement. Now, obviously that situation changed due to the severity of all this stuff, but as this eases back up, some of my hours will be in my home gym for the people who are not yet feeling comfortable stepping into a commercial gym setting. I'll probably work mornings and afternoons when it's not as busy. I will probably leave the evenings to the, the rush, train clients at home in the evenings who don't feel comfortable in the gym yet. And I'm also going to be doing some virtual stuff. I've got some clients who've moved away or in other cities and they would be still training with me to this day if they were physically here. So I'm going to push and double down on virtual training where I pop the laptop open in between an hour where I don't have a client with someone who's off in another city who wants to train with me. I will do a very good job with a very limited amount of online clients like Lee referred to earlier. I'm not all of a sudden going to go full on to online. And before we end this, uh, Lou, I definitely want you to pitch the Online Trainer Academy because I have that certification and I, I love it. I think it's a wonderful product. And I'm going to remember how all this felt, like you said, so that way anytime I'm feeling a little lazy or I'm scrolling social media, and you're not going to be perfect, but I'm going to say, this is a waste of an opportunity. So I'd rather be using that to build good social media content like Lee was talking about to write and get things on paper or to continue to build systems for the future. So this is sort of the plan that I have to come out the other side of this. Cool. Um, let's, let's end it with where, where do we find, find yeah. you guys? Oh, sorry, you going to say something? No, I was just going to say, yeah, let's do that. I'd Lou, definitely uh, mention the online trader. Yeah, we need to find out where they're coming, where to find Lee and where to find Lou, because otherwise I'm just going to make a Tiger King joke. And I don't want to do that for like five podcasts in a row. So. You're going to do what? A Tiger King joke. I was going to like, I figured it was going to come around to me. And then everyone, they ask? what my yeah. thoughts were on the whole process. And I was just going to say, Carol Baskin killed her husband. And like, Lee, where do we find you? There, I said my joke. Lee, where, where do we find you? Where do we find Lee, boys? Well, I'm on uh, all three forms. Well, all three. I'm on three forms of social media. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Coach Lee Boyce. So you can contact me there. Um, and I'm putting up stuff uh, pretty much daily on each one of those mediums. And uh, my website is LeeBoyceTraining.com. Uh, LeeBoyceTraining.com. I have my blog that I put up uh, there. I have uh, training tips. I have uh, Fix My Form. I have uh, online coaching. I have all kinds of stuff up on there as well. Um, so that's a pretty busy website. And uh, I think that's basically it. And if you're not one of my students, then those are the only ways to reach me. Mm -hmm. Nice. You don't want to give everyone your cell phone number? <laughs> Not no cell phone numbers. No. Okay, okay. Is it is it okay if I if it's okay if I share your number? Or? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. 
<laughs> we'll have a conversation. Everyone send you – everyone send Lee your forum videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and with me, uh, like I said, I, I work for John Goodman at the Personal Trainer Development Center, the PTDC.com, uh, the Online Trainer Academy. We have lots of um, – we have uh, new programs now. One is called the Founding Client Challenge where in one week you can get your first online client. And I think most of the people who do the, I, I think it's like some astronomical number, like 90% of the people who do at least 75% of the steps that they, that they give um, end up with uh, at least one client. Some people stop the program halfway through because they've already got four or five clients and that's all that they could handle at the moment. So, uh, there's a founding client challenge uh, if you want to get into it. Um, there's the Online Trainer Academy, which is a certification program. So not only do you learn the business of online training, um, you can get uh, continuing education credits for whatever uh, personal training certifications you already have. And then uh, for a small handful of people who already have an OTA certification, like, say, a Andrew, um, there's now OTA Level 2. They're being very selective about who they let into that now. Uh, but in the future, I think there'll, there'll probably be more classes and more openings. Good. Uh, and again, for everybody who's listening, this is, I've been saying this at the end of the recent podcast, I can't stress this enough. Uh, shoot me or Dean uh, a message if you're struggling right now or if you have questions, just anything. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, I'm easy to find. It's Andrew Coates Fitness on Instagram, or you can follow me on Facebook or whatever. And then uh, it's uh, at Guido Power. Guido.power. I don't, I just posted. So. Yeah, exactly. So uh, obviously get in touch with us and, and get engaged with us because you know, I do have a little bit more time right now to respond to stuff. If you have individual questions or if you're you know, looking for more ideas or information on top of these podcasts and I, and I can't stress enough both certainly follow Lee's stuff because Lee's stuff, I've been reading it as long as I've been in the fitness industry. I found it very early on through TV nation. Uh, I love these training ideas. And as the industry stuff, it's good commentary on the state of the industry. In fact, I think it's some of the best commentary on the state of the industry. And if you really want to be successful, I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. And then obviously, lose stuff through the Personal Training Development Center. I love the website. You guys, I can't thank you enough for how supportive you've been in my stuff and my career as well. So that means a lot. Well, and, and also both. earlier, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, you talked about uh, sharing your stuff in, the, uh, in our newsletter. It's called Stronger Sundays. Um, as you may guess, it comes out every Sunday morning. So I compile the information throughout the week. If you've got something that you something you've posted on social media that you'd like, uh, you think be worthy of inclusion, well, first please subscribe so you see what we do include. Um, but if you have something, feel free to uh, to share that with me through the usual channels. Actually, there's only one channel. I'm only on Facebook. I I don't really everything else. I just kind of look and don't really participate in. So that's the best way to that's the best way to reach me. Guys, thanks again. I really appreciate the both of you coming on, taking the time to talk to us, and you know, obviously to all the listeners, but specifically you two guys. I mean, really good luck right now with with the challenges you're dealing with, uh, Lou. I think that the PTDC and you guys are probably in a uniquely prosperous position. I don't think you wanted to uh, profiteer off of like a lot of bad circumstance, but I, at the same time, you guys are there offering a service and a lot of hope. This is important. Ha having a sense of hope and control when there's so much going on right now that we're not in control of. And, you know, even if some of the efforts that any of you are taking, maybe they're not going to bear a lot of fruit, but if you have a sense that some actions you're taking are going to help you get through this, 
there's a lot of good in that because that can help stave off a lot of the negative mental health consequences that I think a lot of people are, are struggling with right now. So direct your effort and your energy into something constructive. I don't think people should be putting pressure on themselves to spend every waking minute on growing their career right now. I think that's very ridiculous to, to aspire to because you're only going to set yourself up to fail because when we're in a time of greater stress, we just don't have the mental bandwidth or the, the willpower to, to work aggressively on these things. But I really hope that people aren't just sitting on the couch to ride this one out. You have such a great opportunity to do a lot of work to build foundational things in your career. So that way, when we are able to come out the other side, you're able to hit the ground running and you're not then spending a few weeks scrambling to catch up. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Welcome back to another special episode of the Fitness Devil podcast. Uh, it should be episode 135. We brought Lou Schuler and Lee Boyce on here. We've been running a recent series where we've been pairing up uh, industry leaders during, we are right in the middle of the global COVID pandemic. So we want ideas that will you'll be able to listen to this two or three years down the road from now. And it'll be great ideas that will help you with your career. Uh, and to be prepared for unexpected shocks in um, in our world. But we took them together to talk about uh, writing, amongst other things. That's a place where Lou is the editor at the personal trainer, ed editorial director at the Personal Trainer Development Center. And Lee Boyce is a prolific writer as well and a trainer. And their overall philosophies for content creation, for social media, for how to prepare yourself to have a robust business in the uh, to get through this now and to prepare yourself for future shocks stay tuned